Tonight's episode of Wayward Stories is brought to you by my revolving credit lines because we don't have any sponsors yet. REI, Keen, holler at me, ping me. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Wayward Stories. Wayward Stories is the podcast where we tell your stories of self, of adventure and self-discovery, or just, you know, any of your awesome old adventures that you might have to talk about. I'm thinking we need, like, a new tagline. I uh, was reading something the other night, and it just kind of stuck out to me, and it was just share the experience. And that's kind of what I'm all about, um, is sharing the experience. And I think that's what we're about here at Wayward Stories. If you guys want to share any of your outdoors wilderness experiences, please email us at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Um, let's go over a little bit of housekeeping tonight before we get started. Um, first and foremost, first order of business is how are you guys tonight? I hope you are well. I had a day full of like paperwork and stuff, so my head hurts. We're going to try to keep it together. Um, and also, second, my neighbors are being really loud today, so hopefully none of their noise bleeds over into this microphone. If it does, please just bear with us. Um, we want to keep these um, episodes coming out. So first order, um, actually we're on like third order now, aren't we? So third order of housekeeping is um, going to be like the schedule. Like the podcast have been coming out in like little spurts and jumps and jolts, and it's been kind of a janky start. Um, there's been a reason for that, mostly because we're trying to get enough episodes out there to populate onto the podcast platform so people have something to binge and hopefully get a little bit addicted to and start sending those stories in so we can get this bad boy up and running. Um, this is going to be the second one this week. But this is kind of a transitional, this is kind of a stepping stone to the schedule we are going to keep. I'm going to try to drop episodes Thursday night or Friday morning of every week. Um, this will be coming out on Thursday night of this week. <laughs> Thursday, my redneck's coming out. Thursday night of this week. And that will give me a week to come up with the next episode. Thus transitioning, transitioning us to the schedule that I want to have. For this podcast coming out on a week to week basis. So get all of that crap out of the way so we can move on to talking about something that has to do with the wilderness and not like paperwork and money and ads and depends undergarments. Um, tonight we're going to talk about Caddo Lake. It is the world's largest cypress forest. It straddles the border of Texas and Louisiana. On the Texas side is in the Piney Woods region of Texas. Um, 225,000 acres of swamp, marsh, slash lake, bayou, cypress, chute, creek, river, land. And it is an absolutely beautiful place. I went on a trip there last year, a little paddling adventure throughout the world's largest cypress forest, and I want to talk to you guys about it tonight because I believe it's a place that is worthy of your time to go and experience. Um, Let's see, let's do an intro to Cattle Lake. I pulled up a few things on the iPad here. I have them in front of me so that I can do this justice. I'm going to read an excerpt from an article I found online. 
It is from TexasMonthly.com, and it's called The Lake No One Knows. And the byline is Dana Rubin was the author of this particular article. And I'm going to let Dana tell me tell us about how the lake was formed because it was done in a really perfect way. Um, it sums it up quite succinctly. Let's see. From TexasMonthly.com and Dana Rubin. Long before the dam existed, a fluke of nature created Caddo Lake. Over thousands of years, a log jam formed on the Red River. A blockage somewhat like a beaver dam, made up of cottonwood trees that toppled from the banks of the river. By the late 1700s, this so-called raft had grown to be more than 100 miles long and filled the riverbed from bank to bank. Bounded by roots, moss, and silt, it seemed like an almost solid ground. People walked and rode their horses across. As logs piled up at the head and decayed at the tail, the raft crept upstream, plugging the river. Pent-up water spilled out on either side, creating new lakes that drained and disappeared as the raft moved along. One large break in a bend of the river flooded the Cypress Bayou Valley and gave birth to Caddo Lake. Many attempts were made to clear away the raft. In the 1830s, Captain Henry Shreve got rid of it with a snag boat that sawed through the logs as he moved upstream. But when he ran out of money, the raft came right back. Not until 1873 did the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers blast it away for good with dynamite. Jumping out of the narrative here for a second. Dynamite's the answer to anything that's ever in your way. I have seen a beaver dam exploded with dynamite many moons ago. And it's a terrible, chaotic, and somewhat mesmerizing thing to watch. Um, Back into the narrative. With the raft now gone, the water slowly began to drain away, leaving a swamp. When oil was discovered on the Louisiana side, drillers realized that they couldn't haul their heavy machinery through the sludge, and they pressed for a dam that would raise the water level enough to float in their equipment by barge, and in 1914, that dam was built. Okay, so that is the creation of Caddo Lake. It's interesting, like, this just blows my mind. A hundred, one hundred mile long log jam. Can you imagine, like, all of us river folk, us river rats that spend our summers on the river, we're all familiar with strainers and little mini log jams that plug up corners of the river and chutes that we want to run. Can you imagine a 100-mile-long log jam that's there for so long it silts in and becomes like solid ground and you can just, like, ride your horse over it? That's mind-boggling to me. But that created Caddo Lake. And Caddo Lake... It's a very interesting, there's actually some tree ring dating done by an expert on cypress trees within Caddo Lake. And according to him, he believed within a plus or minus 10 year accuracy rate that the log jam was created sometime in the 1770s or 1780s. So it's a, you know, 220, 30, 40 year old lake, something along those lines. Um, and it's long been important It's important to the early native American tribes that were in the area. Um, the Caddo people, which they were actually, by the time that that log jam would have formed, if my history serves me correctly in my memory, they would have long been pretty much decimated by, uh, European diseases that had been introduced when the early Spanish and French explorers came into the area. Um, Caddo Lake in and of itself 
There's something absolutely magical about it. It is an absolutely beautiful place. Um, we stayed there last year. I went in, I believe it was in the summer. I don't remember if it was early or late summer, but I went last year with my travel buddy and we got a little cabin on the Louisiana side of the border, right on the lake, um, just to the west of, what is that going to be? Oil City, I think. Oil City in the Caddo area. And it was, you know, nothing special, just like a window unit, heat, air, you know, combination heat and air unit, um, a bathroom with running water. I mean, more than enough for people like us that like to get out. I mean, good God, I've slept on the side of a mountain in 40 degree weather without a sleeping bag before. That was dumb. I don't talk about that a lot with people, but that happened once. Like four walls, <laughs> climate controlled air and running water. It was more than enough right there on the lake. It was a great place to stay. And I cannot find, even looking on the interweb, so I could try to tell you, I cannot find the name of that place. Um, but it was a good place. You get online and Google, you'll find many places to stay on the river there. On the Texas side, you do have a state park. You have Caddo Lake State Park. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty nifty little state park. It's more on the Big Cypress Bayou than it is actually on the lake as best I can tell from the maps I'm looking at it, we went into the park and we checked out the park. They have a nifty little interpretive center slash museum, um, to help interpret the history of the area and what you're looking at when you get into Caddo Lake. Cause it is a very, you know, it's a very diverse and very specific ecosystem in and of itself. Um, it boggled my mind just to find out that the world's largest cypress forest was in North East Texas and kind of Northwest Louisiana, not way down, way down on the bayou. If you know what I'm talking about, like down where it's called Louisiana, that kind of stuff. No, it's in Northeast Texas, Northwest Louisiana. Um, but it's every bit what you come to expect from watching swamp people. If you do, I watched like a few minutes of that one night and like, it wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me, but it looks like that. It's that kind of swamp. It's the real deal. Um, there's a whole lot going on with that lake. Like for number one, like let's let's talk about all the things you can do there. Number one, if you are a bird watcher, and I'm not a bird watcher, though I can appreciate a good bird. Um, there are lots and lots of diverse birds on this lake. And I actually follow and am followed on Instagram by, um, a woman who does a lot of photography on Caddo Lake. And it's from when I was down there and, oh my gosh, she does some amazing pictures. Um, but there's a lot of good bird watching in the area. You got ducks, geese, and swans. You have turkeys, quail, grebes, pigeons, and doves, cuckoos, and road runners. Ooh, here's a good one. They got goat suckers, y'all. They got the common nighthawk goat sucker, the Chuck Will's Widow. Boy, that's a really specific name, isn't it? I'm going to have to Google that when I'm done with this episode. Eastern Whippoorwill, um, Swifts, Hummingbirds, Rells, Gallinules, and Coots. Man, I know some old Coots, too. This is interesting. Plovers, Stilts, Advocate, Sandpipers, Phalaropes, and Allies. Um, Gulls and Turns, Loons. I know about Loons. I have an aunt that lives in Canada, and she always liked to make jokes about the loon. Um, storks, 
cormorants, darters, pelicans, herons, egrets, and allies, ibis and spoonbills, new world vultures, osprey, hawks, kites, eagles, and allies do have do have bald eagles on the swamp there, barn owls, typical owls. Man, who, man that would suck, wouldn't it? Like, you're like this awesome, beautiful wonder of nature that is an owl, but you're just like the everyday Joe owl. That's like the blue-collar owl. You're a typical owl. Uh, <laughs> kingfishers, woodpeckers, the list goes on and on and on and on. Crows, jays, swallows, gnat catchers, kinglets, thrushes, mockingbirds. Yeah, on down the line. They have lots and lots and lots of birds for you to take pictures of and make oogly eyes at. Because I know for some of y'all, that's a thing. Me personally, I love birds. They're beautiful. I appreciate their beauty. I think it's awesome when I see a bald eagle in nature. Um, but not really my thing thing. Um, also, for all of you fishermen, it's an awesome lake. It's known for trophy bass and very quality crappie. You got largemouth spotted bass, channel cats, flathead, black crappie, white crappie, and then a whole smattering of sunfish red ears black uh bluegill yeah and also hybrid striped bass a lot of people get into hybrid striped bass fishing it's never really been my thing i prefer trout smallmouth um and occasionally largemouth fishing that's kind of my my bag and i did some fishing there on cattle lake but i didn't have any luck with it but i also didn't go in to do that specifically and i did no research any of you guys that are fishermen know it's not like put a minnow on a line and throw it out there and hope for the best. At least those of us that actually do it for sport and catch and release. And I mean, even if you don't catch and release, even if you eat what you catch, those who are wise know you need to do some research. Catching fish in a cypress swamp is going to be completely different than catching fish on a huge river like the Mississippi or in a lake like Lake Michigan, or in a little backwoods lake in the middle of nowhere that's only 80 acres, or a, you know, a really clear running water stream, which is my favorite kind. Whitewater rivers, that's my favorite kind of stream to fish. Used to be largemouth, but once I learned the wonders of catching a smallmouth bass on ultralight tackle, and it's also like so greatly, like it works on so many levels. Ultralight gear is inexpensive, it is small. It's usually collapsible. If you buy a good rod, you can collapse it. It's it's like the perfect thing. It's easy to cart around. It's easy to keep up with. And the fight is awesome. And it's just a lot of fun. That's my favorite kind. So I went in unprepared for Cattle Lake because I had other things in mind like photography. That was my main goal in going in there. And just seeing a cypress swamp up close and personal. But the fishing is great there. Or so I'm told. I can't tell you from personal experience. But the birding is also great there. Or so I'm told. I can't tell you from personal experience. Um, actually, I can. There were a lot of beautiful birds there. Something that they have that I did not see and really wanted to. Alligator. Always want to see an alligator in the wild. I would love to see that. Did not see any while we were there. And something else of note. You nature lovers out there with a little bit of a mysterious bent that we didn't see but I'd really hope to was Bigfoot because for all you crypto nerds out there much like myself and how did I miss that joke the bird that's a goat sucker that's a chupacabra baby like old Chupy's rearing his ugly head in in the in the bird world 
But um, yeah, Bigfoot, there's been an inordinate number of Bigfoot claimed sightings in the Caddo Lake area. Um, I mean, gosh, just the name of one of the towns is uncertain. I mean, isn't that like the perfect name for some kind of mystery novel or a TV show like Stranger Things? Like Stranger Things should be set in uncertain Texas. That would be perfect. Um, but yeah, I did not see Bigfoot, did not see an alligator, did not catch a fish, but I still had a great time. And I'm going to tell you why. Paddling through that cypress swamp was one of the more, I mean, I want to say almost mystical experiences. It has a certain mystique to it. The hanging Spanish moss, the cypress knees plugging up out of the water everywhere you turn your head, the brackish water, but at most times it's like placid smooth and it reflects everything. Everything above it is reflected almost perfectly on the water surface. And it is, at times, eerily quiet. And when I say eerily, I mean you hear nothing. Nothing at all, except for your boat gliding through the water. And the the tops of, like, the fauna under the water. They have an invasive, invasive species right now that they're fighting of underwater vegetation. You know, all you can hear is that scraping on the bottom of your kayak and there's such a solitude to it until like some crazy loon breaks the silence 50 feet from your head and you nearly fall out of your kayak that happens too but it is just it's almost cathedral like I always talk about how it's kind of a spiritual thing to me getting out in the wilderness this really played on that. I mean, it's really no surprise to me that there are a lot of Bigfoot sightings in the area because Bigfoot's kind of got this whole, you know, supernatural side to him. He hangs out in the realm of UFOs and and ghosts and, and goblins and demons and leprechauns and the Fae and all of that kind of stuff. Bigfoot, he hangs out on the fringes, you know, of being supernatural. And areas like this, I found in all of my adventures that areas like this, they have a certain supernatural almost feeling to them. I'm not sitting here saying they are, but I am telling you that there is a sense of reverence and just kind of awe at the mystique and the mystery that's very palpable. Like you can almost, you can feel it. It's just something that's in the air in certain areas that just have this kind of magical quality. And those are the kind of areas that usually have really awesome ghost stories or cryptid stories or urban legend type of stories. I think it's because that feeling exists there. What is that feeling? I have no idea. I'm not even going to sit here and try to pretend to venture a guess or a hypothesis. I just know that that feeling exists and as you read through, like in the article that I referenced, The Lake Nobody Knows, that author speaks at length within that article about the mystique and the magic that Caddo Lake kind of has. So this is like corroborated by outside sources. This is not just me telling you that. This is, you read other people's work on certain areas, and it's kind of a consensus that starts to grow that there's something special about this place. And those are the kind of places where you get lots and lots of Bigfoot sightings and things of that nature. I've noticed that there is a correlation, unproven, but a correlation nonetheless, in my mind, between the two. Um, and Cattle Lake has that going for it. And I think that's why 
that's why I wanted to talk about it tonight. It wasn't one of my most exciting adventures ever. And actually, it's a little bit thin on the storytelling side. Like, I'm going to have to pad this episode out. This may just either end up being a short episode or it's going to have a lot of padding. But I want to talk about it because I want you to know about it. I want you to put it on your list of things to do. Because if you ever just want a weekend away from everything where you can chill in the silent solitude, the quiet solitude of nature in a place that has a almost magical quality to it and spend a day on the water getting sun and silently gliding through a cypress forest like this is the place for you if you just want to get away for a weekend and chill like there's not a ton of just amazing exciting stuff to get into I mean I looked into it and I remember looking last year and being disappointed but I looked into it again just to make sure double check my research so that I don't lead you guys astray there's like zilch hiking in the area there is some in Texas or Cattle Lake State Park, but it's like an 0.7 mile loop. It's a 0.2 mile loop. Like, yeah, it's some hiking in some woods, but they're like super tame just around like the fringes of the state park area where there's picnic tables and stuff. There's not any real true hiking anywhere near this lake. I mean, I looked in the broader area. You got to go a little ways to get into any kind of true adventurous hiking or seeing anything really amazing. Um, Biking is basically out. Mountain bikers, you mountain bikers out there, you have to stay on paved roads. The trails that are in the state park there aren't even open to mountain bikers. I didn't at a cursory glance. Some of you may know better than me. and Maybe there's something down there that I missed. But at a cursory glance, I couldn't find any really good hiking or mountain biking trails anywhere near this lake. So there's not a ton going on down here. Thus, I have a thin subject matter in a sense. But it's like so much deeper than that. And trying to find all the words to bring it to life for you because I want you to experience it is going to be the challenge that I'm facing tonight. Um, in that article, and I actually lost my train of thought on that, but let's go back, get back on track right now. In that article, that author references, um, there's a central figure that he had been interviewing over the years and kind of compiling all the resources to write this. It's a very long article. I highly recommend you go check it out. Um, and this individual had a bit of a falling out with organized religion at one point and kind of found his spirituality out there in nature. And it's kind of given as a one-off. The, the theme of the article is not this. The theme of the article actually goes into something a little more on the edge of conservancy, which we're going to talk about later. Um, but he talks about that this this old man took him down to this one area that was super close to his house that in all their years of him taking this reporter out on the lake had never showed him. And it was like his space. And he said, this is, no matter what you worship, this is me paraphrasing. This isn't a quote. I could pull it up, but it'd take too long. But in a paraphrase, he said, whatever God, entity, being, spiritual thing that you believe in, this is where you can get in touch with him. This is as close as you'll ever get. And he took him into this oval-shaped backwater off of the swamp that was literally, to his description, like a cathedral, where the cypress trees came up to a point, almost created an arch over this little body of water, and you've got the hanging moss coming down. That's the kind of magic 
that this place has to offer. That's the kind of serenity and solitude that this place has to offer you. And that's why I wanted to talk about it tonight. Um, let's take a minute here and let me talk about the people that put me and my companion that trip onto the water because they deserve all kinds of big, big ups and shout outs and whatever all you kids say these days. Um, I'm like 20 years out of the loop on being a kid, so bear with me. All I can do is glean from the zeitgeist I pick up on Twitter, and it's going to come out sounding like an old man said it. Deal with it. Um, Old Mossy's Upriver. O-L-E. Not old Mossy's. Old Mossy's. Upriver. They're the outfitters that put us on the river, and one of the big reasons I want to shout them out specifically and I want you to give them a shot at your hard-earned dollars if you go to check this out, is because they are the definition, the epitome of a mom-and-pop outfit. The story that she told us the day that uh, Robin, actually, is her name, that she told us to get it while we were getting onto the lake was that all of like her neighbors and friends had just kept saying it, like they had property on the bayou. And like a great kind of natural boat slip going on right there. And they're like, why don't you rent kayaks to people? Why don't you get people out there? And keep in mind, this is going down during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I don't know if any of y'all ran into this. Last year, a kayak could not be bought except like on the black market. Like we're talking like on Facebook and the prices are double what they are coming out of the store, but they're not in the store. Supply and demand, baby. Drove those prices through the roof. There were people wheeling and dealing and like selling the rights to their unborn children to get a kayak. Everyone wanted out of the house. People in the larger cities, like in your Dallases and things like that, these major cities, they had for real lockdowns, y'all. Not like we did in the South. Not like we did out across the Midwest where basically everyone's an essential worker because the only industries you have are essential industries like everyone was out and about because they had to be. But in a lot of those cities, people for real, real lockdown, like massive amounts of people. And they were stuck in these tiny apartments and condos and lofts and townhouses. And were like, F this, we've got to go. We got to go somewhere. And they were trying to get out. You could not find a kayak for sale through an, like a retailer, an actual commercial retailer of any kind. You had to get that stuff on like Facebook and people, I'm telling you, they were wheeling and dealing and buying and selling at higher prices and it was craziness. Well, during this, people kept urging them like, why don't you turn yourself into a business? You've got a perfect river access. Buy some kayaks, start renting them out to people and put them on the water. Because here's the thing, guys, it's not like you're just getting turned loose into this vast wilderness with like no directions whatsoever there are actually established paddle trails within um the big cypress bayou and the Caddo lake area there's established paddle trails they are marked on trees just like hiking trails that's part of the coolness of this whole thing too and i'm going to read you off a list of those here in a minute um but this is old mossies they're the literal definition of a startup business a which i fully support and b an old school mom and pop operation and they've got it going on and they've been picking up and i tried to give them you know the bump i could with like my youtube video which wasn't much i'm nobody like that's no you know that's no mystery i'm a nobody 
but I support what they're doing and I want to support it now, man. Like that is just good old fashioned. I'm talking, oh, such a sweet lady too. Did not meet her husband, but I'm sure he's just as nice because she's too sweet. She's kind of, she's kind of Southern gal that I'm sure keeps him whipped into shape. I have no doubt whatsoever. Loved her to death and she was so hospitable and she was so accommodating, super helpful and got just a sweet little outfit down there on the river. And she will slap your butt in a kayak and, and smack you on the back of the head and send you on your way. And you need to go down there and give them your money to allow them to smack you on the back of the head and send you on their way. She is located, old Mossy's is located rather, on the the Big Cypress Bayou side of things. There are more trails and other things a little bit further down the bayou, closer down to the lake, but up in the Big Cypress area. That's like really, really some backwater, really slew, really swampy type of stuff. The good stuff, what I wanted to see, what I went to try and take pictures of. Um, and they're, they're just, they got a great location and there's all kinds of places to stay on that side of the lake. Um, it's just something for you to look into and check out, but give old Mossies a shout. If you get the chance and you go down, give them a crack at your business cause they deserve it. They earned it in my opinion. Um, and it's just, guys, it's just magical. Like I know I've already said that, but it just is like, you put in, and as you start to glide out and you go down Big Cypress Bayou, there are several different little areas and trout. Um, let's see here. What did we have? All right. Big Cypress Bayou. As you go down the bayou, you'll come up on your right. You'll have Stumpy Lake if you're going downstream. Um, on your left, you have Second Old River, which is a part of the paddle trail. And you go on down, and this was the one that I loved. And that was Benton Lake. Benton Lake is it's just a backwater off of Big Cypress Bayou. I mean, it's a swamp, y'all. This is exactly what it is. But Benton Lake is dotted throughout its entirety with cypress all throughout the middle of it. These don't just ring the edge of the water. They are all throughout the lake. And gosh, paddling up and just gliding up underneath one of those cypresses letting the old kayak just bump off of one of the edges and use it as kind of a in situ anchor and fish for a little while off of the knees and the of the other cypress trees just across the way you're in the shade sun's beating down it is hot as texas hell down there but you're out there in the shade on the water under a cypress tree listening to the birds and other than the birds dead silence all you can hear is your lure plopping into the water it, it, oh my God, I want to go back. I'm going to go back because for me, it's four hours from Dallas. It's like three hours. It's just South of Texarkana guys. It's pretty accessible in the Southern region of the United States. It's pretty darn accessible. Um, and it's a great place to go check out just to unwind. That's the thing that I took away from that day more than like the fishing for me wasn't good simply because I didn't know what I was doing in that particular type of a uh, ecosystem to fish, um, and that kind of a fishery. Um, but what was good was silence, just absolute unadulterated sounds of nature and silence and gliding. You guys that kayak, y'all that paddle, and this goes for canoes too, but kayaks, single person kayaks have a little bit more agility and seem to have more of a glide to them. Just gliding through glass, 
still water in silence amidst these towering cypress trees with this Spanish moss just draped down and hanging. It was so cathartic. It was so therapeutic for the soul. Oh my gosh. It like it on the one hand puts me at ease and makes me want to go back. And on the other hand, makes me sick to my stomach because I have to go to work somewhere I hate tomorrow (laughs) and not back on the Cypress Swamp. Yeah, I'm that guy who almost gets sad halfway through the adventure because he's already thinking about the nightmare he has to go back to on Monday. This place has an absolute effect on you at a soul level, in my opinion. Um, And for photography, if you're into photography, A, again, birds, wildlife, you like water moccasins, baby, this is the place for you. But if you're into wildlife photography, absolutely. Um, I want to, I don't want to misquote her name, but the woman on Instagram that I follow, I'm almost positive it's Susan V. Watson. And she has amazing photography on the bayou down there. She has some of the most beautiful pictures of wildlife. That's her focus as best I can tell from following her on Instagram. Um, but if you like landscape and just nature photography, which is more my forte, guys, I got a picture and it, it falls within, I have like probably a top eight or nine. I've taken literally probably tens of thousands of pictures now. I have a top 10 that's probably only literally six or seven pictures that just are my favorite captures ever from myself, of course. Um, everyone else, I've got a way higher top 10 of other people's work. It's way better than mine. But for myself of pictures that I captured, this one is easily in the top two or three. And there's just something about that perspective in the shadows, looking out at these cathedral-like bald cypresses with the Spanish moss and the sun fingers like trickling through the trees and splaying out across the water. And the water is glass still and there's a perfect reflection of the cypresses above it. And it's, it is a magical image to look at for me it captured the essence of what it was like to be there it's one of the headers on my website the rotating headers that come in and out um depending on the load you may catch it someday if you go check out the website um and you can also catch it in the video i actually think it's in the video i made from down there i do have a video about paddling the world's largest cypress forest and that is um can be from last year it's 30 or 40 videos ago but youtube.com forward slash wayward stories um go and take a look see guys go find it and get an eyeball on what cypress lake is like or um i'm sorry caddo lake and big cypress bayou and the paddle trails that are therein speaking of the paddle trails let's get back to those let me give you an idea here these are the piney woods try um Piney Woods Paddle Trails, and this is on tpwd.texas.gov. This is a list of all the paddle trails in Texas. Um, And in the area we were in, we have, let's see here, Cattle Lake and Big Cypress Bayou Paddling Trails near Jefferson, Karnak, and Uncertain. With 10 official paddling trails in this region, the Caddo area now has over 50 miles of canoe and kayak trails for visiting paddlers. Follow the trail markers posted along each of the trails to explore the mysterious maze of sloughs, swamps, bayous, 
and bayous for which this beautiful region is known. See, they even call it mysterious. It just has that vibe. You're going to see Bigfoot maybe. Maybe you're going to run into a voodoo priestess. Who knows? But that's the whole point of the adventure, isn't it? Throw caution to the wind and go do some voodoo with Bigfoot. You have the Benton Lake Paddling Trail. That's on Big Cypress Bayou. Clear Lake Paddling Trail. That's also on Big Cypress. Haggerty Creek. Mill Pond. Over Old River 2. And all of those are on Big Cypress Bayou. That's more in the area where you're going to get into like Old Mossies, Outfitters, who we used. A little further down on Cattle Lake itself, you have Carter Chute Paddling Trail, Cathedral Paddling Trail, Hell's Half Acre Paddling Trail. I want to look into that one. Anything called Hell's Half Acre, it's usually usually pretty special. <laughs> For one reason or another, it's got that name for a reason. I want to check that one out someday. Old Folks Playground Paddling Trail. I'm going to assume that's for like, I'm going to assume that's a super easy one for some reason. But maybe it's just because it's a super wise paddling trail. That's way more PC. Let's go with that. Um, and the Turtle Shell Paddling Trail. Those are all on Cattle, uh, Cattle Lake, further down towards the lake. So more than 50 miles of paddle trails. Not much to hike. Not much to bike, but plenty to paddle. If you love to paddle, you should check out Big Cypress Bayou and Cattle Lake, Cattle Lake State Park. You should check out the whole area. There's, it, it is. It's a weekend getaway. You're not going down with a million adventures to choose them. You're going down to either take pictures, do some fishing or some bird watching, and paddle an awesome cypress forest. That is the main draw. It's the main reason to go, and it's absolutely worth Every minute you spend on it. Um, I want to talk about a couple of other things here real quick before we wrap up tonight. Um, and mainly it's just because this Cattle Lake brings up, it, its history is many and varied, but it brings up a great point um, and kind of a, a good object lesson in the issues that modern day conservancy faces in trying to protect these things that are literally little treasures, little gems that we have out there in the world that are growing fewer and further between as time passes. Um, I want to state right up front because I always want to be transparent about everything. Um, I always want to stay apolitical as best I can. Um, but when it comes to being an outdoors person, it's hard to stay apolitical because so much of what we love out there is tied up and in the hands of political people. Um, but to be completely transparent up front, I just want to say basically my stance on everything in the world is usually somewhere in the middle. No matter how contentious the argument is, I usually fall somewhere towards the middle between the two extremes of whatever argument is being had. It's been my experience as I've gotten older. Usually, either extreme is focusing on one or two points and ignoring a lot of other points. And that goes for both sides of the argument, no matter which side it falls on. Somewhere in the middle, the truth or something closer to the truth usually resides. I'm the kind of person that I believe in free market. I've got a podcast. I've got my own corporation, Possum Valley Entertainment, that I've had for over 11 years that I produce creative material from. I believe in free market. 
and to a certain extent capitalism, which I do believe has gotten out of control. Bezos, I'm looking at you, brother. That's disgusting. Your net worth is more than like how many hundred countries, 180 countries gross domestic product. Good God. Anyway, not going there. But the point is, I'm for free market. I believe, and also in the environmental argument, you know, on the one extreme, you have people like, let's go net zero now, no matter what, make it happen. Guys, like we would face an existential crisis, for real. The world would collapse. Billions of people would die if we went net zero now. Bottom line is we are where we are. We can't undo where we are overnight. We can't just quit producing fossil fuels because then no one has a job and then people starve to death. I believe human life has more value than that. But on the other end of things, I am a billion percent against somebody destroying Yosemite or destroying Cattle Lake or destroying any of these natural wonders that we have just so they can make a buck. Because I don't see the world like... A great example is the Boundary Waters. It was hot in the news last year because of something the Trump administration did about resurrecting some old mining claims or something for this company out of like South America. I think it was copper sulfide is what they wanted to mine. It was big in the news. Um, it may still be. I don't watch the news much. I'm just like going to admit that. I hate the news. I had to check out before I killed myself like two or three years ago. But that was a big thing. The Boundary Waters. Oh, my God. They're beautiful. They're pristine. They're a natural wonder in and of themselves in northern Minnesota, up there on the border with Canada. And they're like, nah, fam. Like, yeah, let's just like copper sulfide mine. Let's let these people do their thing. They're from out of country. It's not their backyard. Okay. That leaves the door open for how scrupulous will they be about maintaining their standards if it's not in their backyard yard. And of course, people that are for it are going to say, well, they have to follow all these EPA mandates and it's always checked and blah, blah, blah. Guys, anyone like get real. Do you work? Do you have a job? If you have a job and you stop and think about what you're not supposed to do every day, but you know for damn well sure that you have to do if you want to do your job and get it done in any kind of a reasonably efficient fashion and go home to your family Give All I'm saying is give me a break. You have a far greater chance of people destroying your environment by trying to cut corners to cut cost if it's not their corner, if it's not their backyard. If they're just cutting your corner, it's a dangerous slope. It's a slippery slope and a dangerous, a dangerous precipice to stand on. And that Boundary Waters thing, I don't have all the info. I don't pretend to know it all, but I do know this, destroying precious natural resources and beautiful wilderness areas which have become so far between in our modern world is like not okay with me but as i was saying to complete my transparent you know admission i also get that we have to keep producing things because the world depends on these things whether we've got whether or not we should have gotten dependent on all this stuff that's an argument for a different podcast in a different day that's a philosophical argument the bottom line is the reality is we are and people die if we don't maintain that to a certain degree so just being transparent i fall kind of in the middle i want to protect all these things as much as the next guy so i'm like but i know that we have to produce stuff so i'm just like let's produce stuff like where we already produce stuff if we can let's you know find like we are with with renewable energy we've made a lot of steps a lot of progress towards renewable energy 
that's great. It's going to take a while to get there, but we're doing, in my opinion, as that middle guy, the guy that falls in the middle, the only thing you really can, you can't pull the plug because we can't have all these billions of people die, but we also can't not address the issue. So we address it as best we can with the technology we have as fast as we can. And that seems to be kind of where it's at. And it's not optimal, but it's kind of where we're at. And it's better than not trying at all where we were in the fifties and sixties and where we were back in the day that created all these dang super fun sites. If you're not familiar with an EPA super fun site, you need to familiarize yourself with those. We have multiple in the area I'm from, you know, people like being born with two livers and, you know, stuff like that. Just little things like people dropping dead for no reason. Oh, it's lead poisoning. Yeah. There, we're far cry from where we were, but we're also a far cry from winning the war and finding all the right answers. Conservancy is important. Ansel Adams was about it. We already talked about him. Mil- lots and lots and lots of people fight for it all the time, and I hope that you'll make yourself one of them. But yeah, the whole reason I brought up this whole mess is because Caddo Lake, it brings up it's a perfect example of this. I'm not going to read you. I'm not going to read back through the article, but in that Texas monthly article, the lake, no one knows the vast majority of this very long article has to do with protecting cattle lake, or it has to do with all of the threats that face it. I believe it's the army Corps of engineers was wanting to build a barge canal right through the middle of it. Of course, all the residents on the lake hated the idea that, all the business people want to make money and build new industry. And it was like, it's literally, it was the epitome of the classic battle for destroying nature to make money or saving nature and forfeiting the possible economic benefits of that. And it's, it was really interesting. The way I came by this as I was reading this, he talks at length and he puts very, in my opinion, in a very metered way, he's very balanced in offering both sides of the argument But this article talked at length about Cattle Lake being threatened by development, by landowners, by business owners, by big, by big business. Um, And that concerned me because I was like, oh, my God, Cattle Lake's beautiful. I love Cattle Lake. But then as I was reading over the Cattle Lake Wikipedia, which I know I don't trust Cattle or Wikipedia completely, but it usually offers a great synopsis and. If it's a good article, it is sourced and you can check the sources for accuracy. Um, It talked about how Cattle Lake had protected status as of 1993. And I was like, wait a second. I just read this article. Okay, see guys, in my mind, if I see an article on the interwebs, my brain's going to say it's like within 10 years old, especially if it's a top Google return, that it's going to be a fairly prescient article. That is going to be fairly recent. Um... So I go back to look at the article. I was like, what? when was that article written? What was the byline? And I went and looked at the byline and that article was written or at least published. I'm sure it was written over time, but it was published on November 1st, 1992. And it was so cool to realize I'm reading an article from before it was protected about how the greatest threat that the lake faces is development and the modernization of our world and come to find out that the very next year cattle lake became protected under under an international treaty not just national law but under an international treaty and a huge portion was bought up and donated to become a part of the state parks and it is now 
a protected area. And that makes me happy. That right there is a W that is in the win column. That is an example of a victory of conservancy because guys, there aren't just a ton. Think about this. What do you think of when you think of swamps and cypress and all that stuff? You think of the deep, deep South, you know, down close to the, close to the Gulf. You're, You're down in the deep depths of Mississippi and Louisiana, like not Northeast Texas. Um, in Northwest Louisiana. And that is the biggest one left in the world. They're getting far more rare. So this is a big victory. This is a good example of conservancy winning out. And I loved it. I wanted to share it. And for me, it was just neat the way that I discovered it. Read this entire article that in my mind, I'm just assuming is a fair, like I said, prescient article. Recent. In my brain, it's within the last four or five years old. It was a top Google search result when I'm Googling about Caddo Lake. It was written in 1992. And in 1993, the lake won its protection and protected status, therefore having legal precedent to stand on if it is ever threatened again. That is a beautiful thing. That is a wonderful thing, especially when it comes to Caddo Lake, because it is, as I said, a magical, mystical mythical place, a place that will touch you in your soul, even if not on a spiritual level, it will touch you somewhere deep down. It will get you centered. It will get you grounded and take you back to a calmer, gentler place and get your soul at ease. You need to check it out. You need to hit up old Mossy. You need to hit up Caddo Lake. You need to get your butt in a kayak and get out on that lake and experience the quiet, majestic, mystical beauty of Caddo Lake. One of my favorite trips ever, considering that all there is to do there is paddle it, photograph it, and fish it. For the most part, for most people that are listening to this podcast, that's the majority of what it has to offer to you. And it's worth the trip. It's that special. And with that... I think we will wrap up tonight's episode about it because I don't have anything else to say. I hope I didn't pad it too much. I hope all the information I presented was somewhat on point and um, entertaining. If you guys enjoyed the podcast tonight, please rate, review, subscribe. Biggest, most important things you can do to help us because that's how we get discovered Tell us word of mouth. Tell your friends about us. That's starting to take off. I really appreciate you guys shouting us out. Please get out there and do it. If you want to submit your story, yes, you do. Look into my eyes. You want to submit your story. I need them. Mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Write it down. Write me your, tell me your story so we can tell the world about it. Let's share the experience, as I said. If you want to go over to the website, waywardstories.com, that's where you can get hooked up with Patreon and you can support the show monetarily if you so wish. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. We have, again, private Reddit, private Facebook pages, places we can build a community. Find it all through the website and check it out. Um, And I think that's going to be everything that we have for you tonight that covers all of the end of night housekeeping. I hope that you guys will come back next week. I look forward to seeing you. I enjoyed spending the evening with you tonight. And um, until then, be good to each other. Get out there and do something good.
of you out there listening, wherever you might be, that though the hill might be steep and the trail be rocky, the mountaintop awaits. Carry on.